Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast for this Thursday, April 15th. We are now exactly two weeks away from the NFL draft. Um, those of you who know that by now, it just kind of comes up on you. Um, it is... Uh, a, not only a daily, but an hourly reminder uh, for me with work. We are taking a break as we do from scouting meetings, draft meetings, as we are into the two-week stretch to talk with you, as we love to do every week uh, on the Landry Football Podcast, brought to you by the great folks at Radio Influence. We've got some big-time news that, uh, as you know, we do this show live now, and you can consume it as um, – as you do uh, on on podcasts, and we still, uh, if you like doing that, we still encourage you to do that uh, and sign up for it uh, wherever you get your podcast. You can find it over at LandryFootball.com and sign up. Uh, we do this show live uh, on YouTube, on Facebook Live, uh, and, of course, on Twitch TV, Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch TV. Uh, we've got some big news to share with you. For those of you that were listening to my podcast yesterday, uh, you probably know this by now, but we are excited as we put together uh, a package and a plan to, we're going to do some extra podcasts for one, starting next week, every afternoon, 4 to 5 p.m. Central Time. Uh, it fits into the schedule. We'll be doing um, the Scouts Eye podcast um, live, uh, during that hour, uh, draft previews, um, for that entire week next week and the following week, which is draft week, probably, uh, even more exciting is we're going to attempt something that I think is going to be unique, uh, going to be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> we hope that technologically it works cause I'll be doing it myself. Uh, we'll be doing draft shows right live. It won't be podcast form because obviously um, there's really, you're not going to want to listen to an eight hour podcast of stuff that's happened the day or two days before. We'll be doing it live. You can join us uh, wherever, if you're listening to this podcast live, you, the way you consume it, that's where we'll be. Facebook, YouTube, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. It's where you sign up, subscribe free. And, um, you'll be able to consume it. If you're listening to this as a podcast, you need to join us live. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah, I'll be on by myself. I'll be on talking. It'll be informal. It won't sound like your normal TV show or radio show. It's a lot of canned stuff and a lot of BS talking head stuff. I'm going to be taking you where I am. 
Um, and that is inside uh, my facility here where I do consulting work for teams. Draft day, draft weekend is pretty long. Um, it, it the, the haze in the barn, but there's a lot of conversations um, that take place with regard to as teams maybe sending me texts and whatnot. It used to be phone calls. That's kind of eliminated now. A lot of texts from draft rooms, a lot of DMs from draft rooms, emails from draft rooms. And so I'll be taking you inside that. I may not be able to tell you everything, who said it, what have you, but I'll be able to take you inside all the picks before the picks are made, trade talks. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll take your questions as time permits. It'll be a, at times, a fast-moving show, at times slow-moving, but it's going to be pretty fast in that in between picks, there's a whole lot of stuff. People always say, well, it's boring to listen to these knuckleheads on TV that, you know, just talk about this and talk about that and rehash this pick and rehash that pick. It's just kind of boring. You're going to want to know and you want to find out what goes on behind the scenes. Here's your chance. You're going to be a part of it. You're going to be able to see it as much as you probably ever can or will. Um, this is going to be a great opportunity for you. So I'll be able to take you inside that. Uh, I'm going to be doing it by myself. The show's going to be as long as the draft is, all three days. Um, maybe we'll start a little bit before the first picks each night or day. Um, there'll be times where I have to step away to the little boys' room. It's going to be look, but we're going to do it live because I'm going to do it by myself. And the it's best because it's not going to be a normal show. It's not going to be about well, what do you think about this or that. It's going to be reacting to real life things. So. Check it out. Again, uh, very simple. Go to LandryFootball.com. Click on Twitch. Uh, follow Chris on Twitch. Click on that. Subscribe to that. Sign up for that so you get your little name, chat room, and all that stuff. And you can be a part of it. Free. It's it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be a great way to consume the draft. You'll get all the information, likely, before other people get it. Or, you know, that's not that important. But, but really get to – yeah, we'll have plenty of time for analysis. We can make some – you know, interesting analysis of the pick, but then we'll get into the details, the days, weeks, and months, you know, post that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to take you, take you inside the film rooms virtually as best we can. So we've got um, a number of things we're going to get to today. In fact, we're going to do that. And it's topic today is really spearheaded by some questions that we have that have been sent in. Um, and want to make sure that everybody understands that when we get into a draft room and draft meetings are going on now, uh, people want to know how do you break ties on players? How do you decide this? How do you decide that? Well, we're going to take you through a couple of scenarios and we're going to take you through situations. How do you really determine that? We've talked a lot about draft boards, the importance of how do you set them up, and they kind of dictate what you do on draft day. But we're going to get into some some of the decision-making processes that really help determine um, how you want to do things. It is not like you think. It is not like uh, what was the movie Draft Day. It's nothing like that. Uh, draft Day is, is very um, – a pale in terms of what goes on leading into it. If you're dealing 
with issues on draft day <clears throat> with how philosophically what you want to do or what players you like better than the others, and you haven't done it right leading up to it. But there are things that take place during draft day, and we'll take you through that, as I mentioned. That's traits. So the whole point is conversations about traits, wanting to move up, wanting to position yourself to get the best opportunity to get the players that you want. That's what takes place on draft day. But it is not about, well, what do you think? What do we should do? I mean, it's if you're doing that, you've done it wrong. So we're going to take you through some of that. We've got a couple of other questions uh, about the shotgun and goal line situations. We've got Anthony sent an email, or I guess this was on Twitter. Not sure, Anthony, uh, about um, college head coaches hiring assistants. We're going we're gonna to get into that. Um, all of that. So a lot of draft heavy. We are here to take your question. So if you've got anything you want me to address, uh, we can absolutely do it. So um, let's get to a couple of these questions right off the top, and then we can kind of focus on uh, the draft stuff. Um, Anthony asks about oftentimes college head coaches, hire assistants they've worked with previously. If a coach has exhausted all of his ties, how do head coaches evaluate candidates they've never worked with previously? Well, the you may hire guys that you've never worked with, but if you hire somebody, you've hired somebody that you know about with somebody that has worked with them, somebody that you trust and believe in that has an effect. Now, there are some issues that you've got to work through to make sure that the guy's the right fit for you. And, you know, one of the things we do in the scouting world is evaluate, like evaluate, and, and certainly what I do as a consultant, I help with some of that, quite frankly, and that is evaluating coaches, uh, breaking down the critical factors of being a position coach at a certain position, going through that, but it really is like a marriage. It really is like dating. It, it really is something that, the personalities have to match and you know, that's important as well. Communication. Those things are really important. I, I did uh, mention quite a bit um, about the issues that went on with Ed Ogeron with the last two hires that he made that were um, coordinators that were end up being really bad. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, if you look at the process, if you just listen to a friend, you know, as he did with Pete Carroll and Dennis Erickson on um, a couple of guys that work with Scott Linehan and uh, Bo Pelini, and you don't do your homework, that's on you. So even if you don't know the guy, you can do further research. You don't want to just take one person's word for it. In fact, what I often do is if I say, look, I think this guy is the best fit for you, but you need to uh, let's get together and figure out who do you know that's maybe work with these guys. And you need to get independent views because you might be looking at something personality wise. that's a little bit different. And, as much as you might think 
two people are good together, they, they just may not, they just may clash personality wise. And that, that can be a problem. Also the situation, what do you want? Coordinator comes in. Let me give you an example. I'll go back to the Ed Orgeron Bo Pelini. It was a disaster waiting to happen. Ed Orgeron never worked with him. Well, Pete Carroll did. Well, coaches will tend to help their buddies. Well, Pelini's been a successful coach. He's done, you know, a decent job at Nebraska and certainly been successful as a defensive coordinator. It was an awful fit for LSU from the beginning with Ed Ogeron in the current situation. Why? Combustive personalities. Bo Pelini, a lot of guys have egos. Some guys handle their, all guys have egos to some degree. How they handle it, how they display it, how it manifests itself, it's different. If you're Bo Pelini and you're coming in and you're kind of being the guy that's going to run the defense and it's my defense and I'm basically the co-head coach and, you know, if you got that type of feeling, that's not going to work if that's not what the head coach wants. So what happened was Bo Pelini comes in and, no, 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 I understand y'all won the national championship last year, but, look, I'm coming in. I'm running the defense. It's my show. It's my way. I'm doing it. And, you know, if it's – if you – did things, you know, if you saw things white, I'm going to see it black. If you see it day, I'm going to see it night. I mean, just, I'm going to do things my way to, you know, to basically show that I'm in charge. And those guys that were really good players last year, I'm going to get my guys. If you have a lot of that me involvement, it won't work. I knew Bo um, and I knew Ed and so did Pete Carroll. Well, Pete Carroll's you know, he's not trying to hurt anybody, but he's not going to spend a lot of time investigating, you know, and helping, you know, those two. He'll say, yeah, you know, my experience is good. Well, your experience is good, but you can't say how it's going to work. And I can tell you that no one does it. Hey, this guy's going to be great for you. You know, you let that kind of organically happen and you kind of lead them. So coaches, it, you should never have exhausted all your ties if, because there are always people that, you know, and you know, if, if you, <clears throat> so if, if you don't know, and if you're someone that's inexperienced, then you got to go to people that do know that can really help you with this. So it's a little bit, you know, you don't always have to hire people that you've worked with. Um, <clears throat> in fact, uh, good ideas, new ideas are good, but it does depend upon the head coach knowing how to handle it. If if your head coach personality-wise is a guy that sounds tough and sounds in charge, but he's not really strong as an X's and O guy, he's not strong as a football guy, a lot of the assistants, including the coordinators, won't respect him as much. So they'll respect the position, but they're not going to necessarily respect the coach. That's why being a head coach is so important that you have been a good coach. You've got to coach the coaches because where do the assistants go to get advised on how to coach? If the head coach it can't do that, then you got an assistant that's kind of rogue. So this is why head coaching hires are so important beyond just what they know, but 
the respect level that they're going to have with their staff. So uh, understand that that's a real important part of the process. And it's one of the reasons why this is, I'm going to branch it out a little bit to dovetail into what we're talking about in the draft process, because that's center stage is it's why I don't want people that are non-football people making decisions on the draft. Why? I want a guy that, look, if you've got a <clears throat> general manager, personnel director, that's not a strong scout, if he's not, just like a head coach should be more proven and more successful than your assistant coaches. If your GM is not the best scout, the best evaluator, you got trouble because that guy is then going to have to listen to other people and just basically go along with somebody in the room. I want as many qualified independent thinkers in that room as possible. I don't want yes men. I want somebody to come to me if they think I've got the player evaluated incorrectly. Telling me that I got it incorrectly doesn't mean a flip. Tell me how you know that. Now, mostly what I'll say was, okay, what's your credentials to evaluate? Anybody in my room that I've hired is going to be qualified. So, what I want to know, even though you're qualified, tell me how you came to that conclusion. Don't tell me that you don't like him as much or you you like him more. Tell me why and tell me how you came to that. And then let's look at film. Maybe you saw something that I didn't see. Maybe I didn't get that game. Maybe that's what I want. We don't have a lot of that. And sometimes you have head coaches that they're not as involved because that's not their strength. They're um General managers are not that involved because that's not their strength. You're it's like having eleven good players on on the offense or defense versus having four or five and the rest of them are pretty average. What do you think is the best team? Why wouldn't you think of that with coaches? Now you have to have people that will work and think together. If you got people that do their own thing, like selfish players. And you got selfish coaches, selfish scouts that think they know more than everybody. And, you know, they can just whatever and run the No, that doesn't work either. Have qualified people. Look for qualified people. Go, Anthony, through an exhaustive interview process. Go through scenarios. Lay it down how it's going to be. Let them walk if they're not happy with it. Better have them walk now than to make a bad hire. So that's how you do it. Uh, this other question I'll get to, and Jeffrey's joined us with a um, with a question I'm going to get to in a second. You got a question, join us in the chat room. Why it frustrates me watching teams go shotgun in goal line situations. Why do they do that? Um, but very simply. Um, Joseph, <clears throat> it's a great question. Teams that run shotgun and goal line teams that run shotgun in a lot of, um, circumstances are zone blocking teams. Let me explain zone blocking and this will explain to you why they're not running goal line zone blocking teams. The emphasis on zone blocking 
is you allow the defensive line to penetrate, make the initial charge, the initial move, and you block them whatever direction that they're going. If you are, if you're watching this, this is why you, we invite you to watch this. If a defensive lineman's right on my shoulder and he's coming across me, then I'm going to go ahead and move him in that direction. If he comes the other direction, I'm going to move him in that direction. That's what you want to do. That's zone blocking. You have to allow that charge. Sometimes in a, in a, in a zone blocking, it's a trapping scheme. You will literally let a guy go free to get a better angle to block him. Okay. It takes time for that. You need time to develop the shotgun situation allows for those blocking angles to develop, grow. If you're a man blocking team, you come off the ball and it's man on man. You run power. I got to beat my guy. And that's that. If you're a zone blocking team, you're built that way. Your line is built that way. You have quicker position angle blockers and not power guys. So if you're on the goal line and you're a shotgun team and an angle blocking team and you get under center, it's not the quarterback center exchange. It's not that you can learn how to do that. What, but, but if you do that, what do you think is going to happen? You are mismatched physically, strength-wise. You're going to allow under center that defensive line to push you back? No. You're going to want to do what you do in other parts of the field, allow the defensive line to take their charge so that you can angle block to get free to be able to run it in. Or, you know, you've got the run pass option. You can throw it too. But just in terms of the run game. So the thought of, you know, well, we're going to be an angle blocking, zone blocking team, and we're going to do this, and we're going to, you know, but but when it's on goal line, we're going to run power. Well, you can't do that. You can't stop the game and go out and recruit a whole new bunch, a whole new team to do that. You're not built that way. So the answer is very simple. Is the teams that do that are teams that are built that way, teams that block that way, that allow in a zone blocking scheme the charge of the defense and to be able to block them with better angles. You wouldn't see a man blocking team do that. So it's not about, well, let's line up and, you know, understand that that's, that's counterproductive in doing that. So that's the, that's the answer to that. Good question though. Um, I want to get into what's going on right now in draft meetings. Uh, but again, we're going to take your questions. Jeff asks, do you think the Saints will be able to put together another draft class like 2017? Probably not. I mean, those are, it's a great draft class, but it was developed. I mean, it's, we'll see, but those don't happen every year. Also, I hope Trask falls to the third round and Sean scoops him up. Kyle Trask is not going to last to the third round. And I don't know that that's the type of guy that, that uh, Sean wants. I think Kyle Trask has a chance to be um, a quality backup that, that can be a fringe starter, like a Mason Rudolph, uh, um, you know, uh, guys like that that I think uh, can be um, Matt Moore, if you remember Matt Moore. Um, who else? 
you know, that's what Kyle Trask is. Uh, Kyle is, is, a, is a good player, and I do think in the right situation, good play. Is he a difference-making starter? No, but I think he can be uh, someone. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily the answer. He won't he would definitely not be there in the third round for the Saints. The Saints would have to take him higher. I don't think that's the direction they want to go. I don't think that's the direction Sean wants to go. Sean wants to – he likes his quarterbacks, right or wrong. That's what he's going to do. Um, and with that, um, you know, he's going to play that out, and we're going to see where it takes it. Um, so I wouldn't – I wouldn't if he were there in the third round, which he's not going to be, I don't think the Saints would take him in the third round. Um, but he won't be there in the third round. So I don't – I'm a, you might be disappointed there. Look, hey, we, we'll see. Um, so if we talk about, you know, who they might look at, um, I mean, you look at everybody, but but in terms of who they might consider, I don't know that Kyle is, is – uh, is the answer there like him, but I don't think, uh, I don't think Sean uh, sees him as a guy that would, uh, would upgrade their room. And I think they've got far more needs and they're leaving much better players on the board relative to where they need to take them. Somebody will take Kyle, somebody will take him second. It would not shock me if somebody took him late first to get the extra year option. I would not, cause I think you're leaving much better players on the board, but, how I grade them and understand draft boards and how they come off the board are two different things because people will see it differently. And a reminder at LandryFootball.com, you can get all the draft boards by position, best overall players, and get all the scouting reports on all of them. I'm also working on inside the draft room um, preview. So what I'm going to do is take you each and every team on Landry Football and go through the needs, go through what's happened in free agency, kind of where they are. And we'll kind of go through each of the picks, first round, second round, third round, so on and so forth, and give you some ideas of where they may go with certain candidates. Now, it's not about to pick the exact pick. That's not the goal. The goal is to give you an idea of where value might be and where they may look at each of those spots. So, that's another reason why you want to become involved in what we're doing at Landry Football. I uh, want to get into, because it's based on a question <clears throat> I think is a very good one, and it is how do you break ties on players in draft meetings? Again, um, you're not doing this on draft day. You're doing this right now. We are two weeks out from the draft. Basically, I always try to make sure that all the position meetings and are done by the end of the week so that um, a, a week out. And then so by next weekend, next Thursday and Friday, you wrap up all the position meetings. And then by next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend, you would want to spend that entire weekend finalizing your horizontal board, your top 100, your cutoff point could be 100, 118, you know, whatever the numbers are, five, five grades and above. And <clears throat> put them in line. Then the next thing I would do 
in the on Monday of draft week, let's call it. I would spend making sure that all of my undrafted free agent graded players are in the right order. I've got 18 receivers with four or nine grades. I want to make sure they're in the right order. Who do we want to sign as free agents in priority if all of our draft board graded players are gone? Now, they won't be, but just in the event they are, and I need to sign because here's what can happen. You might have six guys. You might have you might want to sign a linebacker, and you might have six guys left on your draftable board that go undrafted, and you might not be able to sign any of them. They may sign somewhere else. Then you got to go to your very top-graded 4-9 grade. Who is that? Who's the second? Who's the third? Who's the fourth? Who's the 18th? That all needs to be in. So I finalize all of that usually on Monday. Then I Basically, I like to have things done. Tuesdays um, and Wednesdays are a couple of things. Um, we have one final check of medicals on Tuesday. Um, on Wednesdays late, we have one final um, character check um, from the security department of the league and our security representative, we will go over anything that could have possibly come up recently because we already know what's been in this past. We go through one final setup there. And then, you know, in between times, because the meetings are not as long, we'll take little breaks. And I would spend times in a break making calls around the league to try to figure out who might be willing to move up, who's more inclined to move up, who's more inclined to lose down, it just helps to get a better feel for who might be willing to move, uh, who might be willing to stay, who's really comfortable. And this is how it's done. You you know people, you've known people maybe 20, 30 years, and you kind of get a feel for, you know, boy, they're they're sitting there at X spot and, you know, um, I think they feel comfortable that there'll be a guy that, they're, that they really like. So they're probably not going to be looking to move. And you kind of get a feel for it. So instead of having to make, you know, 15 calls in a short period of time, you may only need to make five or six that truly might be interested. And based on that, you get a feel. I always try to, as I said, people work off draft boards. I work off of a different board, uh, draft board. I took the draft chart and I married it to my draft board. Remember. The first pick, the 10th pick, the 20th pick, the 50th pick, they're all given a numerical trade point value as the overall pick. That's in a general every draft scenario. Well, the reality is the first pick, the 10th pick, the 12th pick, the 15th pick, whatever, 50th pick, that's a different player every year. So what you have to marry is how valuable each of the picks are relative to the player that you can get with that pick. So I try to adjust the numbers to fit the grades on the board that I have. In other words, the first pick in the draft, 
this year is worth a lot if you think Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. But let's just say you didn't have a guy like that. <laughs> let's say, you know, you had the rest of the group. Well, is the pick worth as much? Probably not. Point total, short was, well, it's worth 3,000 points. Well, they might be worth that. You know, what What about, the, again, where's the drop-off point? You might have four guys with 7-0 grades. They sure got two. Got two guys with 6-9 grades. Where, where's the cutoff point? So, you know, on my board, there's not a lot of – there's there's a bigger gap between – four and five than five and 15. You follow me? So the, the whole stacking of, well, one, two, three, four, five's the next guy. We're good to go. Well, no, because it's not that way. Four is worth a lot more than five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, all the way to 24 have the same grade. Now within the stacking of those 20 players from five to 24, do you have a somewhat of a built-in cutoff point because you truly like these five a little bit more? That's what you go through. That determines the value. So, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm at five and I can get a guy in the top four on my draft board, I'm thrilled. I'm happy. I'm probably not moving. There's probably not a whole lot you can offer me to move off that spot. There's 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 some things that might do it, but it's going to be tough to get me to move off of it. But if I'm picking five and my top four are off the board, you know what? At five, I'm happy going down to 10. I'm happy going down to 12. You know why? Because I'm going to get maybe not the same player but the numbers would say move down six spots. Gosh, I mean, I got seven guys that I love. And I'd put them in this order, but they're all equally as good. According to my grade that's been set up with the proper integrity of who the best players are regardless of need, well, it makes sense to move to 12. And you know what? You don't need to reach the point value of some trade done last year, year before. You know why? Because your draft board says this year that is fine because you're getting the same graded caliber player. Makes sense. But if I if you're going to get me to move from four down and I may lose one of my top four, you're going to pay me a lot more. So the fourth pick's worth a lot more than the fifth pick in my mind, provided one of my top four is there. The pick itself doesn't matter. It's who's there with the pick. If <clears throat> if I've got four players with elite grades and I'm at 12 and one of those guys is still there, well, what do you think that 12 pick is worth? It's worth a whole lot. Right now, I'm thinking the 12 pick is as good as 10, 12, 15, 18. <laughs> But let one of those top four guys on my draft board be available. That 12th pick is worth gold. It's worth a lot.
lot more than it does now. So you have to be able to adjust that. And that's, uh, so I try to work that out and I try to allow time for that. There's, there's a lot of information gathering. And here's what I always did. People said, well, you can't trust people. People lie this time. Yeah, that's true. Here's how I had the best feel for what a team was going to do. When you know the league, you know the roster of the teams, you know who can play, who can't, who truly can, not by reputation, not what you read or hear, not what, you know, a consensus of a bunch of people say. But when you know the roster, you know the coaches, you know the people making the decisions in the organization, you kind of know how they think, that helps you. I use the rule. Does it make sense for them? I could totally disagree with the pick, but I get what they're doing. Don't agree with it, but I understand what they're doing. It makes sense. That's not them. No, that's not something they would do. Yes, that is something they would do. That hugely guides me to a better feel. And all I want to know is likely who might be available. And that's all anybody wants to know is, you know, I'm picking at 15. Who's likely going to be there? Bill wants to know who you think is going to be there. And what's the possibility of any number of two, three players that we went over yesterday that might still be there at 17? But what what if they can make a move up to eight or somewhere to get one of those guys? Those are all things you try to work through and you try to plan it's like a game plan for a game on Saturday or Sunday, in this case, Sunday. Um, you know what you think is going to work. You've worked on it, but you've got to be able to adjust to it. So this is what we're going to focus on. But as the game flows, a little bit of this from this column is a little bit more effective than that. So we're going to do a little bit more of this and less of that. That's going to help drive it. Well. The draft day is a game plan. It is the practice leading up, and the draft day is game day. Game day will throw you some curves. You've got to be prepared for it. You got to be. I always said, I immediately know. Somebody calls me, they want to move up for my pick. I automatically know A, what I want to do it based upon. Who's going to be available for me there? How far would I, obviously I'm going to know how far I need to move down, depending on who's calling, I know. And I know what I'm going to need to make it work. And I don't, look, a lot of people do this. You know, it's it's the, the age-old theory of trading. And I love this, and the fans will do something like this, or media will do something like this. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't like this guy on my team. Uh, let's trade him over there for that that really good starting quarterback. Are you are you serious? You're really that? <laughs> think people are that dumb? Got to know how to do a deal. So here's the thing. I don't sit there and make outrageous demands. You'll never do a deal. Let's say I want to move down five spots. Let's say I like that pick at the top of the fourth round. I automatically know by looking at the board. Here, it's not it's not the sixth pick in the fourth round. It is 
any number of these players at these positions, we're going to get an extra one of those. Okay. I like that. I like that. It's good. Now I might ask for the third. Yeah, I can't do the third. Tell you what. You know what? We'll do it for a four. I tell you what I'd like to do. Um I'd like to flip picks in the seventh round. It's called a sweetener. So now I've got the round that I wanted, the pick that I wanted. I've looked at it. I asked for something a little bit more. I got what I got and happy with it. But I also threw in, I'm going to pick 12 spots higher in the seventh round, which may help me to do something else later on day three. So you work through a lot of different scenarios, but you've got to be prepared with your planning so that when it happens on draft day, you can't say, well, what do you think? What do you, you know, I'll usually look at it and I'll say, let me get right back to you. Boom. And you do direct line. Think it. Um, what I may do is if it involves a player on a current team, it's a little bit more complex. I definitely get back. The first thing is I check anything medically that we have on a, on a player in the league, which is a little limited because we don't have access to all their medicals. Then I check the, Salary, bonuses, everyone got cap guy ready to do that. Can call that up in a second. I will already have an evaluation of the player, but I kind of verify, you know, how did he, does anybody disagree with what we, uh, with the player, you know, the, the grading, uh, uh, trading a player in the draft, current NFL players, a little bit more complex because you do have, uh, salary cap implications. So you got to be prepared for that. And you do all those situations. It's like anything you're planning now. All right. We might've gone here. Now we're going to do that, you know, but it's, it's preparation. Preparation is king. It's a lot of fun. It can be hectic. Um, you know, there's all the time that <clears throat> you you really like certain guys and they, you know, you like four or five guys and they're, all of a sudden, boom, one goes. Next pick, the next one goes. And you think, gee whiz, am I just, you know, under under a bad star or something? You know, and then you you it gets hectic and trying to trying to maneuver up and down can be hectic. But you're trying to if you think about it, is the moving down is everyone says, Well, why don't you move down and get more picks? Well, yeah, if somebody wants to move up, you can do that. If somebody doesn't want to move up, there's nothing you can do. Be prepared to pick. What are you going to do? Be prepared. And if you really don't want to pick, then, then is it better to move down and take really less than point value? Yeah. Get what you can get, right? I just said, fourth round, you know what? If I really didn't want to stay there at that slot, maybe I'll take a sixth round for the guy. I mean, to move down. Better than, you know, picking that guy five picks higher when I could have gotten the same caliber guy six spots. That affects the overall point chart that everybody uses in the future. Well, that doesn't tell you the value. That tells you the value of the certain circumstance. 
you have to marry the trade chart to your draft board. If you don't do that, most people don't, quite frankly. I, It's probably one thing I clinic the most in the league that people just don't get. And um, uh, anyway, that's that. Tony asks, um, morning, Chris. Wondering if on draft day when you close your – when you're close to being on the clock, are there ever any arguments about who to draft or discussions over by then? Tony, they better be over by then. So here's my philosophy. Tell the coaches, tell the scouts. We're sitting there during the week prior to the draft. And so, again, you're having discussions. First round, I mean, you go through all the board, again, all the spots we spend as much time making sure that we've got the fourth round graded receivers in order as we do the first round or anything else. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I tell them, I don't want to have any philosophical discussions on draft day. Who's better on draft day. Speak now. If you do, I'm throwing your ass out of the draft room. Because you've got all this time to discuss it and plead your case. We'll get the film. We'll all look at it together. We'll figure it out. We'll hash it out. We'll get it. If you do and you grapple with it, I don't want to hear it on draft day. If I do, it'll beyond piss me off. Because it tells me that someone that's not very loyal, not on the same page. Because you're going to be given every time to speak your mind and to say what you want. The only thing, the only thing that would come up on draft day if something comes up last minute. If you have a Lyle Collins, a Laramie Tunsil situation that was not able to be discussed before, something new just happened, then you got to make a quick decision. You got to make a decision. And, and quite frankly, you, you, you don't know, you don't know if there's more behind the curtain or not, but anything else, I still don't think, I, I know you think the other guy's better. Okay. This is what we decided. This is what we said on Thursday and you may not like it. I get it. This is what we're doing. And this is why we're doing it. And if you go through the thorough process, I'm going to tell you, it is not like you think, folks. When you have disagreement on players, they're decided in the film room together. You look at it together, and the film don't lie. It shows you, well, what are you saying? Well, I thought it was really good. What are you saying? We've looked at all the damn tape. We've looked at two years of it. You keep saying is this, and there's no evidence of it. Or, that's right. Look, I'll give you the example. <clears throat> Tony, you're a, I, don't, I know you're a Brown fan. I don't know if you're a Buckeye fan or not or from Ohio. Look, I had the biggest argument, not draft day, but in our draft meetings, the year we drafted Eddie George. By the way, congratulations, Eddie, new head coach at Tennessee State. Um, they didn't think 
he ran with enough power. He broke enough. He didn't think he broke enough tackles. Well, I I knew they were full of because they didn't. Floyd was a GM that didn't get out of the office, and you know I, I knew they hadn't looked at the film <clears throat> enough of the film. Well, very simple. Go get the tape, and we'll look at it. About the tenth run where he cold cocked people and ran their ass into the ground. My smart ass way says, anybody see him run over anybody yet? Case close. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. Yeah. Right. It's not about, it really is not about being right. It's about doing the work. If you know how to grade a player, everybody hears, well, I like this guy. Who cares who you like? Really? Just a man. Do you know how to evaluate? Do you know what to look for? If you know what to look for, the player grades himself. The performance grades himself. The measurables help to determine whether a guy can transfer that over to the pro game. The mental, the learning helps to determine how much growth he can get. The medicals, we all know the importance of that. If you do the work and you're thorough, it comes out in the meeting. There are a lot of arguments in draft rooms on draft day. There are a lot of them. Not in my draft room. Not in my draft room. Um, head coach, quarterback coach, and offense coordinator did not want Steve McNair. Initially, I didn't want Steve McNair. Initially, I wanted to trade a second-round pick prior to the draft for Mark Burnell. Uh, I, I don't want to get off target. I'll, I'll save that for another day. We, we didn't get that done. And I wasn't, like I said, I knew what Steve McNair was. I knew what he wasn't. But when, when we looked at it and we looked at all the options, we just thought he, we thought he'd be our best pick at three. There were some other options. Look, Warren Sapp was a great player, had off the field problems. There were other guys that were good players. No court. I mean, thought it was the best option. I, I I knew the quarterback coach wanted a different type of guy. He wanted an easier guy. So here's what I did. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, we signed a veteran quarterback, um, Chris Chandler, and then eventually Dave Craig. So we had that veteran option that the quarterback coach and the offense coordinator liked and wanted and trusted. And I knew Steve had the mental toughness to eventually work and win the job. And eventually he did. And we kind of took off and became a Super Bowl team because we built a good running game with Eddie. We built a good um, defense and so on and so forth. But be that as it may. Um, when we decided, I knew that they weren't real happy. But on draft day, none of it. They knew, they knew draft morning before anybody got in, that's who we're taking. And there was no more, you know, one last, you had your chance. You had your chance to go through it. Um, but you deal with that through the draft room and, and you, you go through it. You don't, here's what I don't do. And I don't believe in. I'm the boss. This is the way it's going to go. Bleep you. You don't know what you know. Bring it. Let's look at the film. Let's make the decision. 
let's get it right. You tell me what you see, what you don't see, and we will hash it out. Why it's a fit, why it's not. If you do that, Tony, Jeff, everybody out there, you you you're going to get you have the whole be on the same page. That's what being on the same page is. I went to painstaking detail to make sure that we understood what type of player we were looking for at each position. And so if they were bringing me different guys with different characteristics, then I needed to scout the scouts and coach the scouts. They weren't doing it right. And you get that sometimes. They like this guy. They get caught up into that. Well, this guy's going to be a first-round pick. I give a flip whether your buddies on the road all like him and think, what do you think, and is he a fit for us? Do you understand what we do? Do you, you just, you know, you got to make sure that you have the right type of people doing it. And I think today there are more and more people that don't have a strong enough football background to where you have a lot of those discussions. And you have other issues too. A little bit more social media issues. You have a little bit more, well, look, because um, you get this. I don't understand why my team, they don't need that. Well, they're not, they take the best player. But also, you may not be aware of what's coming down the pike. That player that you like at a certain position, that's contracts going into his fifth year, they may not pick up that fifth-year option. They may let him go, and they they may be drafting his replacement right now. So there are a lot of things that go into it now, but a lot of decisions are made, well, you know what? We like this guy, but the the rate at playing that position in the league, we're going to have to overpay him relative to what he is, so we're going to go get a younger guy and replace him instead. Oh, you got to look at that. you got to factor all those things. So there are a lot more factors that go into it now, but the decisions – need to be made in the meetings because there is no excuse to come out and say, I don't want this guy. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff asked, what's the latest with the news? Jeff, thanks for asking that. Yes, it's going to be done. We've just got, and it's, it's largely me. I have just been swarmed with draft meetings, draft preparations, and, getting the things lined up in the back office. It's just kind of taking time. Jeff, it's coming. It's the War Room newsletter. We're going to do it. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's coming. It's just it's it's just taking more time. And quite frankly, until I get the draft behind me, I, I don't know. I did uh, speak briefly to my back office guy that's going to work on some things and maybe get somebody else involved. But there's some there's some things on the back end that need to be done. It's, go- it's coming, Jeff. It's it's coming. Please be patient. Um, hope to do it. A reminder again, you're going to love Draft Weekend. You'll be able to listen to the draft show here. You're going to be able to listen to, uh, you know, pick by pick, reaction, this and that. I'll go through it. Um, we'll be dealing with a lot of issues with teams and whatnot. We're going to kind of bring that to you a little bit and hopefully add something a little different. It was brought up. Um by one of one of you guys. One of you guys suggested it. Um, it was Fantasy Football One-on-One that uh, I guess he's not listening to the morning show, but he listens to one of the other shows and um, says that um, 
he'd like to do that. And the, my first thought was, I, I can't do that. I got, and then I start thinking about it. Well, you know, why can't we, why can't I do that? Or how can I do it? So I think we got it figured out. Look, it's going to be require a lot of patience because there'll be quote unquote, some dead air, but you'll be able to see me and say, okay, look, I'm trying to figure this out. Let me look at my DM. Let me look at what's coming in, what's going on. We'll keep you up to date on that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we'll take you, we'll be able to fill in a lot of the gaps that, that you don't get anywhere else. So check it out. Um, go to LandryFootball.com, follow Chris on Twitch, sign up for it there. You'll be able to watch this show live there as you do this show each and every Thursday, as well as all the other shows. And if you listen to on Facebook or YouTube, you can catch it there as well. Hey, appreciate you joining us uh, again. Um, we're going to get into a little bit more. Um, ran a little time. I'm going to how to break ties. If somebody will remind me how to break ties in the draft meeting. So how to take two quarterbacks, two receivers, you know, three, four corners. How do you break the tie on the players? Um, didn't get to that today. That's the one thing I didn't. Um, I'm going to get to that next week. Another show. Remind me and we will uh, we will absolutely address it. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. We're headed down the stretch run of the NFL draft, and there's no better place to be than right here at the Landry Football Podcast uh, over at LandryFootball.com. Check it out. The scouting season offer is still available. Uh, take advantage of it now. All the draft boards, horizontal boards, best overall players, position boards, all the scouting reports inside the draft room for all 32 teams. Best place you go, the most detailed information, not the Harry High School argumental stuff. People that are involved in the process will get it to you. That's what we got for you at LandryFootball.com. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next time, everybody. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.